Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. You are listening to Radio Islam and I am your host, Tariq al We are broadcasting over, over WCEV 1450 AM and we are streaming live, reaching the world at www.wcev1450.com. It is another wonderful Monday. Welcome, welcome. So good to be with you. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, take a moment before the show is ended. As a matter of fact, why don't you go ahead and do it right now? Follow us on Facebook at Radio Islam USA and like us on Twitter. No, that's not right. Follow us on Twitter. Yeah, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And it's the same username, Radio Islam USA. We'd love to stay in contact with you. As a matter of fact, if you go to our Facebook page right now, there is a post thanking all of you who came out, who, uh, who sent your well wishes, who made uh, dua, uh, made prayers for the success of the Radio Slam dinner yesterday, honoring Professor John Esposito, launching the crisis text line, and also displaying the A is for Arab uh, art exhibit by the late Dr. Jack Shaheen. We just wanted to say thank you all. We had a great event, a great turnout. And uh, just a great, uh, just great energy in the room. So for all of, all of you who are able to make it out, uh, we'd love to hear back from you. Tell us what you thought uh, about the event. If we didn't get a chance to speak with you uh, individually. But it was, as I said, it was a it was a really good event. And there was a lot of a lot of uh, important information that was shared. Uh, it wasn't just sitting down and eating. It was talking about things that, you know, that that uh, that have relevance uh, and meaning, uh, and that is, uh, in large part, what Radio Islam is about. You know, it is a platform. Uh, it's an opportunity for our collective voices uh, to be heard and for us to hear different different ideas. Uh, and, and that's good. That's good. You know, and we're, we're good with that. So, uh, for those of you who would like to uh, call in this evening, if you have any comments, any questions, you can reach us at 312 750-1178 that's 312-750-1178 uh, also like I said for those who are because we always get folks that are t- uh, tuning in to us for the first time uh, we are on every day from 6 to 7 p.m. central uh, this is a live uh, this is a live call in talk program so we're always we're always interested in uh, what the folks are thinking about on the other side of the microphone so uh, we welcome we welcome your participation. If you'd like to simply uh, send us a text, uh, not a text, if you'd like to send us a tweet, you can do so at Radio Islam USA uh, on Twitter. Or, as I mentioned earlier, you can go to our Facebook page and post a comment there, and we will definitely make sure that that is interjected into our conversation. So before we get into tonight's, uh, tonight's show, excuse me, I think... <clears throat> All right, I hope I'm not coming down with anything. So, Radio Slime family, before we, uh, before we get into tonight's show, just want to share a little bit of information about some uh, events that are coming up this week that you might be interested in, particularly for those of you who are in uh, the Chicagoland area. So, one of those is, uh, it is with, uh, with Iman, Inner City Muslim Action Network. Uh, they are going to be having... A, uh, 
it, it'll be an extended grassroots power hour. For those of you who are familiar, they hold these on a weekly basis. Uh, and this one is going to be a little bit longer than normal. Uh, it's from 530 to 8 p.m. Uh, and the grassroots power hour will cover the latest developments in their campaign to amend the Illinois Violent Offender Registry. Uh, they'll also be discussing the current impact of the registry on returning citizens and their families, our, uh, their 2018 legislative push, and the various opportunities for people to get involved in the organizing efforts. So if you are interested, if you're looking for more information, uh, I would direct you to Iman's website. Uh, I believe it's imancentral.org, or you can just Google Iman, um, and they will pop up. But uh, they do they do a lot of they're one of the organi- organizations in the Chicagoland area that's that's doing a lot of uh, a lot of great work at the forefront of organizing and um, uh, and activism. So for those of you interested, that's tomorrow at five from five thirty to eight p.m. and it's going to be held at I think it's right across from uh, it's right across from the Iman office, uh, and that's around about sixty third. Uh, 6300 South uh, Fairfield, which is in between Kedzie and uh, Western. So, all right, that being out, uh, there's also this Thursday, uh, there is going to be a program at uh, American Islamic College. And this program, give me one second, I will give you all the info on this. Uh, it is a conversation uh, between, uh, it's more of a, I, I, I don't want to say a panel discussion. Yeah, I, I guess it is. It is a panel discussion. Uh, and it is called, it is Building Interracial Relationships in Chicago's Muslim Community. Uh, and this is going to be this Thursday from 7 to 8.30 p.m. Uh, sponsored by our friends over at WBEZ uh, at American Islamic College. And the panelists are Sururul Rahimullah from uh, from uh, Muslim Women's Alliance. Uh, myself, I'm one of the panelists. Uh, Hen Mackey from Side Entrance. She's an educator, um, and our brother Will Caldwell. Yes. So that'll be over at American Islamic College, which is right off of Irving Park and uh, Irving Park and Lakeshore Drive. Yes, I think. That is it. Yeah. Okay. So what is going on uh, that we want to get into in the beginning of our show tonight? And that is, uh, it was mentioned in the news, and that was Roy Moore. Uh, This individual, um, I'm finding this interesting for a few different reasons. One is because the people that support him in light of the allegations that have been uh, that have been uh, cast against him are supposed uh, they're supposed to be or they're labeled as um, people of faith in, in large part or they identify as people of faith as good as good Christians um, specifically. So I found it interesting. That the, hmm, I found it interesting that the uh, that the charges or the allegations that are put against them, that they are responding uh, in the way that they are, and it seems like 
that there's more partisanship than anything uh, that we're that we're hearing. So I want to first open this up. I want to share a I want to preface the, the rest of this 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 short part of uh, of our show with an ayat from the Quran. So read Islam family. For those of you, uh, if you don't know what ayat, that's just verse, right? So it's from a verse from the Quran. As a matter of fact, it's one that I've referenced, I think, a few times before uh, on the show. And that is from the fourth chapter. It's the 135th uh, verse or ayat. And in English, it, it basically states, it says, O you who, o, o you who have believed, stand firmly for justice as witnesses to God. To Allah, even if he be, even if it be against yourselves or parents and relatives, whether one is rich or poor, Allah is more worthy of both. So follow not personal inclination, lest you be not just. And if you distort your testimony or refuse to give it, then indeed Allah is ever with what you do. He is acquainted. So why do I mention that? I mentioned that for what should be pretty obvious to the sane and rational uh, folks who are listening, but is not very obvious and is not, uh, does not seem to, to ring a bell with some of the supporters. Um, because I heard a reporter being interviewed on CNN earlier, and he said that, like he said, well, he made a comparison. He said, like, Missouri is the show me state. Alabama is the make me state. And what he meant by that was they were not going to accept any information from Washington, uh, D.C. or any outsider uh, who believed that they could tell Alabama. I was about to say Alabamans. What is the plural for Alabama? What, what, what do the folks in Alabama call themselves? You know, Alabamans. That just doesn't sound right. Well, Alabamans. Well, basically. They are not going to be dictated to. That was that was his whole point. Uh, as a matter of fact, to further illustrate this this, uh, this 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 thought, the the news that was pushed from uh, from Breitbart, uh, the the illustrious journalistic publication, um, they didn't argue the allegations. They simply said. We find it interesting or that it bears uh, consideration that this news came out from the Washington Post and that the Washington Post was also the same <laughs> the same uh, outlet that that broke the story about um, which story was that they broke about um, about Trump Breitbart said so they broke they broke the story about they broke two stories. They broke the the story about no, it was Trump. I think it was no, well, no. But they were saying that CNN. Okay, Raiders, my family. I'm talking to I'm talking to Ibrahim. I'm not talking to myself here. But the point was that they had broken another story, and it was not contested. It was true. They had, uh, you know, they had done all their due diligence. But the strategy was. To tell folks in Alabama, to tell supporters, you should be suspicious because of who, who the, the outlet was that brought you the story. You should be suspicious. 
Now, that doesn't, re- that doesn't really make much sense. I mean, if you think about it, it would be different if the, the, uh, the information that they gave was false. Right. If they mounted a claim and after examining it, after investigating it, they found out that CNN, um, not CNN, but the Washington Post had given a uh, had, had, had given a, a bad story. And now here they are with a new story against uh, this gentleman who's running for office. And they're less than 30 days out from election. Then they could, you know, they could they could use that as an argument. I mean, at the, at the very least, to 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 cast some doubt on on that uh, on the report. But that's not the case. That's not the case at all. So, but Alabama residents, they are buying into this. So Roy is saying that he's not going to leave. And what I want to do, I want to share with you just. Really quickly. So the whole idea is what we're talking about. Uh, for those of you who don't know, if you haven't uh, been paying attention to the news, there was a there's been a report. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think the third or the, the fourth, uh, the fourth individual has come forth uh, today. Saying that as a minor. That she was also approached uh, by Roy Moore, when he, uh, Roy Moore, when he was a D.A., and the it's all it all began, of course, with um, with the allegations of a of a then at the time a fourteen year old, right? A fourteen year old that says that he had improper, I mean, really assault, pretty much, right? So I'm just going to share just a quick, just a little piece of this um, of this video just and and when you listen to this just go back to that go back to the uh, to the ayat thinking about this when it says that stand firmly for justice even as against yourselves right so there's there's no room for partisanship there's no room for people to try to uh, figure out where they fit in alright there's no room for that right it's just justice but we're, what we're seeing right here is the total is a total uh, opposite it go it flies in the face of that idea. So let me um, go ahead and play this a little bit. So this is from an interview on uh, CNN earlier. All right, let's see. Okay, I think we're having some technical. Oh uh, yeah, that's why we're having technical difficulty. Okay, all right, Radio Snot family. So we're having a, we're having some technical difficulties here. I'm going to go ahead and try to switch this over. Um, to to Ibrahim and okay. Actually, you know what, Radio Islam family, we're going to take a quick break. So we're going to try to get this fixed up, and um, when we come back, we're going to go ahead and play that clip. And yeah, hopefully everything is good. You're listening to Radio Islam at WCEV fourteen fifty AM. I'm your host Tariq Alamina. We'll be right back. In the streets below, traffic had stopped. Pedestrians were lying on sidewalks and curled up in doorways. There was no sign of violence, no wrecks, nothing like that. It was as if the people in New York had simply decided to stop whatever they were doing and pass out. Ice coated my stomach. 
the invasion has started. To find out what happens next, read Percy Jackson and the Olympians by Rick Reardon. Explore new worlds and check out more cool books at your local library. And visit read.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent, one in 260,000. The odds of him having 15 career NASCAR victories, one in 1.7 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism, one in 88. I'm Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Radio Islam, the nation's first daily live call-in talk radio show produced by Muslims for the mainstream market. Radio Islam, on the air since 2004 because of your generosity. Radio Islam salutes its most valuable asset, you, our listener. From our producers to our interns, we appreciate your support. Thank you. Welcome back, Radio Islam family. I'm your host, Tariq Elamine. You're listening to www.wcev1450.com if you're streaming. And if you are listening to us through our uh, radio station, we are at WCEV1450. So, and of course, on your AM dial. So, yeah, we had a few few little hiccups with our, uh, with our uh, video. We're trying to play a clip for you uh, with regard to the sentiment that is around Roy Moore uh, leaving the race. So uh, Mitch McConnell has called for him to leave. Uh, Trump has not, he has not weighed in. And folks are on, they are straddling the fence. And as a matter of fact, well, not just straddling the fence, there are some who are really just in his corner. So we're going to go ahead and play just a little bit from CNN earlier, and then we're going to talk about that. So will not see the inside of a courtroom. So it really comes down to who do Alabama voters believe? And that might have a lot to do with why Roy Moore is choosing to stay in the race. This is a country based on justice and on a person's innocent until proven guilty. And that stuff needs to sort itself out. If he he went to the Lord, whatever, and asked for forgiveness for that and and hasn't done anything like that in since then, I believe that if the good Lord's forgiven him as a Christian, I have to forgive him also. I'm not going to vote for him because I'm a Democrat. But I've known him a long, long time. The thing that bothers me about those charges is that he's been in public life, running for many offices, and as many times as this happened, no one's ever said anything till now. And I don't think it comes from any place except Washington. Roy Moore's wife has now weighed in on the controversy engulfing her husband, calling the allegations a, quote, witch hunt, saying the Washington establishment and Democrat Party will stop at nothing to stop their campaign. 
My next guest is someone who sides with Roy Moore. He is Brandon Mosley from the Alabama Political Reporter, who just wrote an opinion piece on why he believes Roy Moore. Also with me, John Hammontree, managing producer of Reckon by AL.com. So, gentlemen, welcome. Thank you. Brandon, let me just begin you. with you. Uh, you know, obviously, we read your piece a couple times. Okay, Radio Slam family. Um, we're actually going to play a little bit more of that, but I wanted to interject before anybody forgot what what they've heard. All right, so I want to point our attention to two well, to to a couple things. Uh, first thing is the the lady that was being interviewed, and she says that he went to the Lord, and as a Christian, I have to forgive him. Now that. I mean, forgiveness is fine, right? But forgiveness is also based upon, uh, is based upon repentance. Right? It's based upon recognizing, uh, it's based upon accepting um, that you have made a mistake, that you have done something that is wrong, that's inappropriate. And it also is tied to repairing, making some type of an effort to repair the damage that you have done. Now, the second thing, is the gentleman that speaks. He says, I've known Roy, Moore, Roy, Roy for 20 years. Well, that's fine. Um, but obviously Roy has never uh, tried to make a physical pass at you, right? Maybe you're just not Roy's type. Um, but, and then he says that no one has said anything until now. And once again, we go back into this idea of blaming the victim for not coming forward, for not saying anything. And the question has to be, why would they? Why would they say anything if they are going to be met with, if they're going to be met with uh, denial, if they're going to be met with suspicion, if they're going to be met with hate? Why would they say anything? I mean, it's no wonder why it takes so long for these types of, uh, for this type of information to come out. And it's not unique to this position. This is something that we've seen, uh, I mean, over and over and over again. I mean, say what you will, wherever you are on, on whatever side of the issue. But the fact is, when they were talking about uh, Cosby or they're talking about Weinstein or they're talking about uh, who just somebody else just got outed, um, Louis C.K. Um, and you know what, Muslims, my Muslim family, I'm not going to hurt you all's feelings right now and start mentioning other folks. All right. But. You know, we'll have that discussion at some other time. But we have to, and, you know, and I, I think you all know what I'm saying, right? Because we don't have, we can have these discussions about external uh, community, about popular culture in general. But it's also a conversation that we have to look at in-house as well, right? That's, that's, a, that's what that whole Ayat was about in the very beginning. Stand firmly for justice as witnesses to God, even as against yourselves. Right? And, and, and so on and so on. So the, the arguments that these people are giving, when they're saying that he went to the Lord and as a Christian I have to forgive him, let's just remember that forgiveness is predicated upon accepting that you have done something wrong, that you have committed some type of an encroachment or you have committed some type of a, a sin against another human being or human beings. Roy Moore does not fall into that category because he has flat out denied having any, um, having done anything wrong. He's denied it. He's not taking any ownership or responsibility for a wrong that was committed. 
So her logic, her statement, and, and you know, we got to believe that she's not alone in her thinking. Anybody who holds that thinking or uses that type of rationale to say, well, the Lord has forgiven him, so I got to forgive him too. You ask for forgiveness. You have you, you ask for forgiveness. You own up. That's whole, that's a whole part of the, the forgiveness process. And to the gentleman who says that I've known him for 20 years. Well, you know what? People knew John Wayne Gacy for for 20 years. People knew Jeffrey Dahmer for 20 years. People knew Ted Bundy. People knew. I mean, uh, somebody knew Hitler since he was a little kid. Now, I'm not. I'm not making uh, uh, an equivalency between Roy Moore and these individuals. I'm just simply saying in the, in the, in the term of time, just because you know someone for any length of time, it does not mean that that person is without the capacity to commit, commit a wrong. So once again, that's the argument that's more emotional than it is uh, rational. Doesn't really make too much sense. And he also said that he's a Democrat. No, no, she's a Democrat, so he's not, so he's not going to vote uh, Democratic. So it's it's not about what is just. It's not about what's right. It's about what is politically expedient. And because of that, justice really has no place here. And and when that happens, you will find what we're about to see in a second because we're going to play this next piece. Um, the continuation within this interview, you're going to hear different a different justification. And uh, well, let's see if you if if you find this is is laughable uh, as I do. So over and, and you staunchly stand by. You believe in Roy Moore and not these uh, female accusers. Tell me why. I've known Roy Moore. I've known Roy Moore for 20 years. I've covered his, you know, campaigns. I mean, I live in the county. I live in St. Clair County, which is next to Etowah County. I think if this was a serious, you know, if these allegations were out there and they were serious, I probably would have heard them. But understanding that most people have not actually met Roy and don't know him personally, we're still talking about 38 years ago. We're talking about something that's past the statute of limitations. Why? Let me, yeah. let me jump in. Hang on. Your, your, your use of the word serious. Why don't you think these allegations are serious? Um, they're 38-year-old allegations. This, is a, this would be a misdemeanor at the time under the Code of Alabama. Um, statute's been up since 86. If you go back and you don't elect anyone who's ever done anything wrong, um, you know, we wouldn't have had Barack Obama. I think he did cocaine. Um, Bill Clinton supposedly smoked marijuana. Okay, what? They weren't eliminated from the ballot. We're talking about allegations involving the current Senate candidate in Alabama. And actually, let me just let me stop you on some of your facts because let's let's function in a factual world. Uh, one, you know, let's go back to where you address the most troubling allegation, the one involving at the time the then 14-year-old and, and sexual consent, just so everyone's on the same page. Sexual consent in Alabama is, is 16, and you acknowledge that se a sexual contact with a 14-year-old would have been illegal 
and would be considered sexual abuse by the books today. But Brandon, you know, you make this argument that there wasn't a law against sexual abuse in Alabama back in the 70s. So I just want to let me ask, are you saying that because there wouldn't have been a law, according to you, that that would have made it okay back then? No, I'm not. I mean, if Roy Moore committed a sin, that's a sin and that's not good. But we're not talking about an actual crime here under that's prosecutable in 2017. I don't think you throw out 35 years of a man's career and his reputation because of unsubstantiated allegation from 1979. Brandon, she was, she, was, way. she was 14 years of age. And, and I don't know how much digging. All right, Radio Stone family. For those of you who are just tuning in, uh, we've been talking about Roy Moore, um, who is uh, looking to take the seat that was vacated by Senator Jeff Sessions, now um, Attorney General. And allegations have come forth from multiple women who uh, who have stated that he had improper um, sexual contact, contact with them as minors, uh, one at the age of 14. Now, I'm almost at a loss for words. So as I'm listening to this uh, individual try to justify this conduct or try to brush it away, uh, and the first thing I go back to, well, I won't, I won't spend much time going back over this, but the idea that he knew him for 20 years and lives in his in the same county, I really don't know what that has to do with anything. Uh, that I'm just trying to figure out, you know, we find out people are, you know, are doing all types of, of terrible things, uh, committing crimes. And uh, there was... I, I believe this was on the East Coast. I think maybe Philip. No, I think it was Ohio. Or f- there were four. I think four women, four or five women, who had been held hostage. They'd been held hostage for for I think decades. Uh, they had borne children uh, by this gentleman uh, that had I shouldn't say gentleman by this man who had held them hostage, and he lived as a quiet neighbor to people for years and years. And nobody ever suspected him of anything. But and, and that was the response when they actually found out, when they brought these women out, out of his basement from being locked up, from being prisoners, from uh, from basically uh, from, from being uh, raped uh, and having children by this man. Uh, the response from the neighbor, neighbors was, wow, I, I never would have ex- expected it. You know, who knew he was he was such a quiet guy. So his. So this 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 fella, that that type of logic, that type of uh, reasoning, it makes absolutely no sense. I mean, and he really should be ashamed of himself to even say something like that. That that almost says that he has never opened up a newspaper, that he's never been anywhere. As a matter of fact, I think this guy is a, is a reporter. So that you know that doesn't fly. And then he says that these are 38-year-old allegations. And, was, and that's not really the point that, that, I'm gonna, that, that got me. The point that gets me is he says that they were misdemeanors at the time. Okay. They were misdemeanors. But he certainly would have been looked at 
not as a 19-year-old with a 14-year-old or a 17-year-old with a 14-year-old. He was a 30-some-odd-year-old man who was working for the court system. He was a district attorney and made, uh, made overtures towards, towards a 14-year-old and, and other underage girls. And the one who gave a uh, press conference today to talk about what she had endured, she brought the yearbook that he had signed. Now, now my, mind you this. Uh, let, let's keep in mind this. We do have this principle, this floating principle. It's not a principle that we always adhere to. It's not a principle that we always engage in or apply in every single situation. But it is a principle nonetheless. And we like to bring it up when it is convenient. And that is guilty, I'm sorry, innocent until proven guilty. Now, we don't apply that evenly. But this is a time where they are saying that we should keep this in mind. And, and that's true. We should, we should keep it in mind. But it should also be noticed that the evidence, that the report that has come out, that very first report was vetted by over 30 sources, according to the Washington Post. It was corroborated by over 30 sources. It wasn't just the word of one individual or two or three, but over 30. So the idea of this being something that happened 35 years ago, it is irrelevant because the survivors, survivors of, of abuse, it is as if it could have happened to them yesterday. The time doesn't, the time is not a factor. And it impairs and it impacts their lives in ways that uh, those who have not, those of, those of us who have not gone through uh, or experienced uh, abuse would not, just would not be aware of. So it was his, his, his reply, and anyone who takes that reply, it's an irresponsible, it's an irresponsible reply. And it's, and it's cowardly. So let's also keep this in mind. He says the statute has been up since 86. Since 1986. The legal age of consent in Alabama is 16, still to this day. But the fact that they had to put this into law, that they had to make a statute, and they set it at 16, That means to me that the social uh, times, that the social climate at that particular time is worthy of looking at. Because they had to make a law to tell grown men to establish the age of consent. And he's referencing the age of consent and he's talking about a guy that was 30 years old at the time. So you know what? He might not think that this individual's reputation and life should be over because of allegations that are 35 years old. But I don't think he should be the focus. 
And nobody is talking about uh, imprisoning, in, uh, imprisoning him, right? Because the statute of limitations has passed. So the very worst that can happen to him at this point, as I see it, is just negative press. But the victims, the women that are coming forward to talk about what has happened, they are the ones whose lives are actually going to be, they will continue to be impacted. Because there are more people who are interested in towing a party line than they are in actually seeing that justice is done. There are more people who are worried about a Democrat getting in, uh, getting it, picking up a seat then they are worried about having someone who does not have the moral constitution fit to represent the state well and if and if they do if they do elect if they do elect him because it doesn't look like he's leaving it doesn't look like he's going to uh drop off the ballot if they elect him that is an indictment against the conscience the conscience of Alabama it's an indictment on morality. And it also, it will, it will continue to send a sign as women uh, step up, as they raise their voices, as they make known the trauma that they've endured. It will show them that there really is no space for them, that they should suffer in silence, that they should be quiet, they should lower their heads and go about their business. They should take their medication and be quiet. Because if they say anything, if they raise their voices, they will not be met with empathy, with acceptance. They will not be met with, with, uh, with belief. They will be met with rejection. They will be met with scorn. And that's, a, that's an indictment that should rest on the consciousness of, of not just Alabama, but on our nation as a whole. I mean, at some point, we got to respond to things in a way that's befitting a people who says that we're a nation under one God, indivisible. Right? At some point, we have to take a stand that goes beyond what is beneficial for Democrats or Republicans, and we have to take a stand that's based on what is, what is, what is best in terms of protecting those who have been wronged, and if I hear anybody else, any anybody talk about, I'm a I'm a Christian, I'm a God fearing person, and if God forgave him, then I should forgive him too. You should just back up. Don't you know? Don't stand too close to me with that. That's if someone asks for forgiveness, if someone admits a wrong, that is a person that's in the path of forgiveness, of receiving forgiveness. So let's not let's not play with. These things that are that are sacred, right? The forgiveness of, of God, the forgiveness of Allah is not something that is, you know, it's not a plaything. And we're, you know, and we're watching it being used as political football. So that is that Radio Islam family. If you have any thoughts, uh, if you have a different perspective, give us a call at 312-750-1178. That's 312-750-1178. When we come back, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk just a few minutes about our uh, beloved president and his his denial of his own security uh, and intelligence services 
So uh, there might be a bromance going on we don't know about. So you listen to WCV, 1450 AM Radio Islam. We'll be right back in a minute. Faucet running? That's not a faucet. That's a river rushing through the forest. Forest rivers provide over 100 million people with clean water to drink. What? I can't hear you because of the vacuum. That's not a vacuum. That's the trees in the forest cleaning up the air we breathe. I didn't know the trees were so amazing. Yep, and the forest gives us shade, trees to climb. That's awesome. Let's go explore some more. Visit the forest today and enjoy all it does just for you. To learn more about the forest and find one near you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Hola, my name is Esperanza. After a tragic incident, I was forced from a life of riches in Mexico to a life of poverty in the United States. My mother has become ill and we have become separated from our family. Now I must work for both of us to try to bring the rest of our family together. My name is Esperanza and I am trying to survive. Explore new worlds. Read my story in the novel Esperanza Rising by Pam Muñoz Ryan. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Welcome back. Welcome back, Radio Islam family. You are listening to Radio Islam at WCEV 1450 AM, broadcasting live over the Internet at www.wcev1450.com. Oh, and I didn't mention to you earlier, but this is a good time to tell you because everybody's, all the, the latecomers have joined in. Be sure to stop by www.radioislam.com where you can check out guest photos, bios, articles, and a lot of other really nice things. Uh, it is all there just for you. Uh, today's episode will be available on podcast tomorrow at Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. So we thank you for joining us. And really quickly, um, so there's been a lot of discussion about uh, President Trump's response to the intel that was given about Russia's involvement in, uh, in, in impacting uh, the presidential election. So it's gone from flat out, you know, I, I'm not going to believe the political hacks uh, that were uh, in, in charge of our intelligence agencies. Um, he thinks that everything is, is politically motivated. Um, and, of course, this is against the backdrop of a lot of uh, a lot of complimentary and flowery language, uh, or at least, you know, I don't want to say flowery, but complimentary uh, language from uh, from uh, from President um, Putin uh, towards President Trump. So he was recently asked if he believed. You got it? Okay. So uh, we're not going to listen to this whole thing because I'm looking at, we really don't, we're, we're running out of time, but I just want to play this. Want to play this real short clip? All right, here we go, Radio Islam family. Here, could you once and for all definitively, sir, uh, yes or no, say whether or not you believe that President Putin and/or Russia interfered in the election? What I said there, I'm surprised that there's any uh, conflict on this. What I said there is that I believe he believes that, and that's very important for somebody to believe. I believe that he feels that he and Russia did not meddle in the election. 
as to whether I believe it or not, I'm with our agencies, especially as currently constituted with their leadership. I believe in our intel agencies, our intelligence agencies. I've worked with them very strongly. Uh, there weren't 17, as was previously reported. There were actually four. Uh, but they were saying there were 17. There were actually four. But as currently uh, led by fine people, I believe very much in our intelligence agencies. Now, at the same time, uh, I want to be able, because I think it's very important, to get along with Russia, to get along with China, to get along with Vietnam, to get along with lots of countries, because we have a lot of things we have to solve. And frankly, Russia and China in particular can help us with the North Korea problem, which is one of our truly great problems. So I'm not looking to stand and start arguing with somebody when there's reporters all around and cameras co recording and seeing our conversation. I think it was very obvious to everybody. I believe that President Putin really feels, and he feels strongly, that he did not meddle in our election. What he believes is what he believes. What I believe is that we have to get to work, and I think everybody understood this that heard the answer. We have to get to work to solve Syria, to solve North Korea, to solve Ukraine, to solve terrorism. Russia has been very, very heavily sanctioned. They were sanctioned at a very high level, and that took place very recently. It's now time to get back to healing a world that is shattered and broken. Those are very important things. And I feel that having Russia in a friendly posture, as opposed to always fighting with them, is an asset to the world and an asset to our country, not a liability. Okay. So if he talks long enough, eventually uh, you start to see the cracks. Uh, at least that is... That that's my opinion. That's what I hear. Um, as we're you know, as he's talking about trying to normalize uh, or have friendly relations with Russia, which I think you know we really should. We we should not have adversarial relationships with uh, with the world, right? I mean, that just that doesn't it doesn't make sense for us to. Uh, continue to, to progress technologically, um, moving forward in the future, and still have some of the same uh, deeply rooted suspicions and, uh, and ill thoughts of one another. Uh, but we're talking governments with, you know, with, uh, with decades and decades of, of, of issues of, you know, of, of one spying on the other, or, or, or counter espionage, you know, going back and forth. Uh, we have the, the the whole cold cold war, um, the history of that behind us. You know, the stockpiling of uh, nuclear arms. Um, so when I listen to him, what I actually hear is I hear somebody who does not seem to be aware of where we are in terms of the history that brought us to where we are today. Uh, and I also hear somebody, uh, and this has been said on other. Um, I've heard other uh, pundits uh, speak about this, who has not taken into account the individual that he is talking to uh, in terms of uh, Vladimir Putin, you know, who is uh, well recognized as a former, uh, secret, you know, Russian Secret Service, a, a KGB um, agent, uh, officer, as a matter of fact. I think he was a, a colonel. So, 
the manipulation that seems to be taking place or the not just the manip- manipulation but the not the the lack of will on the part of our president who is supposed to be the last the the last line or the first line if you will of defense uh of projection of american uh strength um uh i think re- respect and and purpose is is wavering. It doesn't. It does not feel like uh, it is there. The whole idea of I'm not going to speak about these things because I'm on camera. Eh, that doesn't really pass the. That doesn't really pass the test. Uh, the problems that we have in the world right now. They are not just for the United States to solve. I know. You know. We have to. We're looking at what, what our national interests are, and, and, and that opens up conversations about our foreign policy uh, and, and where we're stationed, the, 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 the partners that we have throughout the world. But looking at the morale of the people of the country that you are supposed to represent, that should come into play. That's something that should be taken into consideration. And when we have our commander-in-chief standing in front of a group of reporters telling us what he believes that another world leader believes about their, uh, uh, their interaction or their, uh, their disruption of our democratic process, mm, that, doesn't really, that doesn't really sit well. That's not really reassuring on any level. You know, there are moments where you can be, you can be presidential, despite all of the shortcomings, despite all of the nonsense tweeting, despite all of the name calling, there are moments where you can stand up and be clear about who you represent and who you believe. And he's he's giving he's given a, a, a two sided uh, response. I believe our intelligence agencies, but I also believe that he believes that they had nothing to do with it. And that just doesn't make any sense. So no one is held accountable. And the sanctions that he spoke of, from what I understand, um, the last time I looked at this, those sanctions have actually, they have not been, they've not been signed by him. So what is the, what is the actual point of mentioning something that has not actually uh, been, has, uh, has not taken effect? Because certainly to impose sanctions on a country that you say you are trying to uh, establish better relations with, well, that's not, that's certainly not going to be something that's going to endear you uh, to them at all. So there was a sleight of hand right there. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we get the the leadership that we demand um, out of our presidency. We're in a really interesting place as far as our politics are concerned. Uh, we're not principle based. We are still, um, you know, it's partisan, it's politics. There's a lot of blind loyalty uh, that is that is going on, uh, and we see that. And ex- Alabama uh, typifies that. It's a really good example, uh, if nothing else. Uh, but Alabama is not isolated. Uh, it just happens to be that we get we're getting to see it in a really, in a really perverse and a and a strange, in a strange way where somebody could basically be a pedophile 
but yet still be considered for they could still be considered for um, public office. And that should be disturbing to to everyone. So uh, Radio Stein family, I urge you to uh, to stay active, stay aware, uh, keep up with with uh, what's going on. Uh, we have, uh, you know, if, if we're going to make things better, then it's not going to happen just by us talking about it. It's going to be a product of our of our engagement. Uh, I'm going to mention again uh, tomorrow. Well, 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 we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it tomorrow. So I'm hoping that everybody uh, can make it out. Those who are in the area in the uh, Chicagoland area can make it out Thursday to AIC. Uh, that's going to be a really good conversation. Uh, inshallah, with God's permission. So it's always a, uh, a pleasure uh, and, and uh, just a joy to be able to spend an hour with you. So I pray that everybody has a, a wonderful evening. Um, and we're going to close out. Let's see, who, who is our engineer tonight? All right, Ramon over at WCEV is our engineer for the evening. Thank you so much, sir. Our engineer in studio, the impressive one, Ibrahim Beg. I'm your host and producer, Tariq Alami. Their executive producer has been Abdul Malik Mujahid. Uh, the, the views expressed by the host or any media that we have used uh, should not be attributed to Sound Vision, but are the views of the speakers themselves. So we look forward to talking with you all tomorrow evening, same time, 6 p.m. Central. And may Allah bless everyone with a wonderful evening, and I will leave you as I greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.